So because what we create is very visual, we start visual. So we put together our sort of dream shopping basket. I mean, it's an art direction proposal. So we sort of from related to the non-related examples, we put together our direction proposal based on the strategy, based on the discovery, based on the findings. And we show clients what is it potentially that the ingredients of and elements of the brand could look like. What's up, branding experts? Arek here at Ibag Design. And welcome to On Branding Podcast, the only podcast where I interview branding experts to give you actionable tips on everything branding and beyond. And in this episode, I interview Radim Malinik and we talk about brand identity for startups. And Radim is an award-winning creative director, graphic designer, speaker, and author based in London. He's also the person behind Brand New, which is a multidisciplinary firm that aims to offer a unique approach to branding, including graphic design, packaging, illustration, typography, and user experience. So through his personal Brand New, Radim has been working with some of the biggest brands in the world, with clients including Nike, Harry Potter, Sprite, WWF, just to name a few. So Radim has published several books that are basically a collection of his work over the years along with his tips and advice as a designer. So his latest book is called Book of Branding and this is the book we are going to talk about today. So Radim is an expert when it comes to startup branding and that's why I really wanted to have him on our podcast to talk about the process of branding a startup. Hello Radim, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on our podcast. Well, thanks for having me and thanks for that uh, lovely introduction. Makes me sound quite important. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Uh, so I wanted to make this podcast actionable for our listeners, right? And talk about your brand identity design process, okay? So your book is, I have to say that it's fantastic. It's beautiful. It's beautifully designed. It's jargon-free. It's written in rather a, a conversational tone. And with a bunch of real-life case studies and examples, along with your tips and thoughts on the process, which really makes it easy to, you know, understand. So before we talk about the process itself, I just wanted to talk about how much branding can cause because... Because, you know, you've got a chance to work with some of the biggest brands, but mostly you work with startups, right? So let's imagine that there is a startup and they want to build a strong brand and they believe in doing this the right way. So they want to work with an expert like yourself who can deliver top quality work and therefore they get a good start in business. So whether it is for business owners who just want to have an idea of what kind of investment we are talking about at this level, or some some of our listeners are creatives who are just curious how much do you charge so can you just speak to that a bit what's the cost of branding a startup wow um yes that's a very good question i like that we start with money let's go for money first it's it's a multifaceted question with a multifaceted answer the actual term startup seems to be somewhat again multifaceted itself i think we've got i think startups you know you get people who have an idea and they call themselves a startup because they it's somewhat fashionable i mean startup is a, is a scalable business who adapts and grows really quickly whereas lots of people who call themselves startups individuals are small companies who literally are just starting up and so in a true sense i think there's a there's a different meanings about what startup means so you can have a startup with sort of seed funding and you can have startup with let's say not 50 people try to be uh, a one thing and then you can have someone who's a person who has got no funding and wants to start something new and they, they would call themselves a startup so 
I think we, 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 we have to be sort of careful about who we relate to and who we work with and who, who, who is that person or who is that sort of startup and in its nature and in its size. Because, you know, a startup of a proper size, proper funding can easily spend, you know, £100,000 on branding, marketing materials, website. You know, they're, they're fully fledged companies. So when you think, I mean, Airbnb is technically still a startup, Uber still a startup, you know, and, and their, their branding costs go through the roof and their marketing goes go through the roof because of the scale of the application is again it's very intricate it's huge so you know you can sort of it's like kind of judging a sport that you know goes to the olympic level and then goes to the grassroots level so obviously like you no know, the ubers and airbnbs and all of those guys they are very much the olympics whereas you get a grassroots level which is you know hitting on this and that person trying to learn something new so usually you would get the people that i have decided to work with or to sort of point my studio towards is people on on a on a smaller basis we like that newness we like that sort of that sort of combustive passion from people who have an idea they scramble some money together and they they want to get started and the problem with what i think what lots of people make who want to work with startups they expect that the first in sort of initial bill is going to be, you know, let's say 50,000 pounds. They're like, okay, so a startup XYZ come to me and they said, we, we want branding identity, we want website, we want e-commerce, we want all of this. But they only have, let's say, 10,000 pounds or 5,000 pounds. And most of designers or small studios will go, well, you know, there's no point working with these guys because they're not, they're not paying exactly the money that you want them to pay. And the problem is with that, everyone starts small. Everyone starts on a small scale. And unless you have unlimited funds and investors, you're always going to come across to the point where you need um, obviously the, the, the bigger budget. So the problem, I think what, what, what people may, the problem that people mainly make is that they, they get put off by this and they say it's not for me or they wouldn't make it work. Whereas I see this as a sort of entry level because when you think of it, I know we, we normally start around sort of the 10,000 pound mark for a basic identity and small small applications. So we we do our sort of branding sort of strategy and positioning and kind of we help we help you know, through the eyes of a strategist. We look into what is it all about? What do we do? Where does it where does it slot in into the market? Then we go into the creative process and we create identity depending on again on the size of a business. And then we do small application depending of what it is. Then usually then we add e-commerce or um, just a website and obviously it depends on, on, on the scope, scope of application. So sometimes these projects can be initial payment of let's say 10,000 pounds, but overall through their lifetime, they can pay 50 to 100,000 pounds in, 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 in a space of a few years just because we, we, we meet those people at the beginning with a sort of more uh, appropriate budget. But we, 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 we grow with them or sort of they grow with us, if that makes sense. So we never get put off by sort of people having small, sort of smaller budgets because they grow into something bigger because no one had that, no, no one, that's a lie, but not many people that we work with have got £100,000 at the beginning. And it can seem a very a daunting amount of money to, to, to invest into something that is not proven concept. So yeah, I, it's not been it's not been in, uh, unusual to have people who are proven VCs or they work with proven VCs, having proven businesses that they've sold uh, that they will still want to invest only let's say five to ten thousand dollars to just to start something new to to you know, to to, you know, to approve a concept as an MVP before they go into something else. Right. Just, so just to sum up for our listeners, so takeaways, you know, we need to 
so what what kind of startup? So it could be one person startup or it could be a team who already raised money. So uh, a startup can be of you know various uh, age and size and, and things like that. So, uh, but basically you said uh, that you start at 10,000 for a basic identity that includes strategy and then you work with those, those clients and they, they can turn to 50 or 1,000, 100,000 uh, pounds engagement uh, later down the road, right? So, yeah, uh, I mean, that is true, yeah. So just yeah. to give, give people a sense of what can, it, it could be 5, 10 or 50 to 100,000, it really depends. Uh, but usually you start, you know, like a minimum level of engagement would be $10,000, right? Uh, for that, something. I mean, that is our entry level. I mean, uh, I think you also sort of, we also sort out a lot of inquiries where people will try. I mean, we, we don't go below that price because we still that, that, that there's a studio cost, there's a, there's a human cost, you know, human resources yeah. cost. And it also sort of makes people to actually give, make, make a commitment because you can, if, if you work for, for lesser of a fee, you can work with anyone and you, you can work twice as much and twice as long. And yeah. we know that through our process that I've so, I mean, so passionately devised into even to a book form is just that the process that I've got in place dictates the success of, of, of delivery. So we, we, we work in a certain way that it's been tried and tested. And, and obviously it requires a certain amount of time that needs to be covered by that sort of first initial fee. Of course, you, uh, you've got studios who... Go don't don't work below fifty thousand pounds. So you got studios then don't, don't go but not below hundred thousand yeah. pounds. But there's that the core senior team here is the two people with sort of uh, extend sort of um uh, 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 external team, and yeah, we just bring, we bring people in on 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 the basis of what we need at what time, and and that suits us. And and people feel that oh I have to work on initial budget of twenty thousand pounds, but the thing is, how long is a piece of string? Because you can be working on something for no, double the money or triple the money, but you will get more requirements and more um, kind of just be, be more tied up because the more people invest, the more nervous they become about what they get in back. And mm-hmm. this is all about questions of trust. So rather than uh, sort of getting people from not paying through their nose at, 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 at initial stages, this this is this is all about proving that you know if you if you make small investment and it works usually you, you you grow with the studio and with the client vice versa to to deliver bigger things and therefore enjoy it because there's there's nothing worse than doubting clients who you know what wants every pound spent well and they won't return on a return on that pound by asking you for extra changes and extra zoom calls and extra bullshit that it's not necessary. Right. Like a branding is a mathematical equation. If you know where you're heading, <laughs> you can, again, compare it to a sport. It's like a hockey. You know, if you, if you pass it in the right places and, and shoot it in the right corner, you, you score a goal. And that, I feel like that's the same with branding. Like mostly if, if right. you go the right, if, if you work out where you belong on the market, what, what's the, what's the competition? What's the white space? What's, you know, what's, what's your, what's your nature? What's your archetype? You, you're building together this visual story that seem, you know, has to add up and, and, and equal something. And that's, right. that's, yeah, that's and, and there is not, 
Right, and, and, and nice, because uh, this is the, the next thing I wanted to talk about, because not so many people, so first of all, I just wanted to say that uh, $10,000 is, is, is not a lot, because, you know, all the other, like Pentagram or other agencies would charge, you know, in, in hundreds of thousands for uh, similar quality work, so, uh, and, and, and the second thing is that not everyone can do that, of course, you can hire someone uh, some designers that for, for less than that, but uh, you mentioned your process. You have a proven framework, and and that that's what I wanted to talk about now. So, um, so since so, so since we've covered uh, we've covered this, and we have some idea about the investment, now um, I want to start with uh, brand discovery and talk about planning. You know, b- before we actually jump into design. So uh, now this is very important step, right? So um, it, can you just talk to us about the discovery phase? Uh, what are you looking for there? How, how do, you, do, you, are you, do you interview stakeholders? Uh, how do you craft a brand brief? Um, how do you conduct visual research? Can you just talk to us? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm us happy through? to. Yeah, um, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to sort of tell you all the secrets how we do it, even though they are not really secrets. Um, what you've mentioned with the sort of the pentagrams and the world violins and sort of people paying more money, um, people need to also recognize that there's a different le- levels and layers to the branding identity. What we do is fairly simplified. We we are no, we we know about strategy we know about positioning but we are not brand strategy agency you know like we don't try to be everything to every man so when you've got uh, a bigger startups though of course they come with bigger um sort of hierarchy and infrastructure that you know you've got a head of purpose and head of brand and head of design on head of head of marketing and all those people have got different requirements and therefore bigger agencies are better tailored to to deliver on that and therefore the fee is bigger because you might find yourself that the actual price of of the identity is ten thousand pounds but everything else that goes in it you know with activation and all of that stuff that that is where money goes so also, yeah, bigger agencies can do sort of they can fly out and they can interview people on the spot or in the different locations. Whereas what we've do and what we've been doing, we we've been very much pre-COVID ready. Like I've, I'm, I'm running a studio from Kingston in London, Southwest London. Uh, my design partner is in Budapest, uh, so we work, we've been working remotely ever since. Um, I've been running brand new for Crikey uh, about 16, 17 years. Been in the game for nearly 20. And um, I've always been used to, to work people remotely. So I'm, I'm very good at asking questions, distilling, you know, uh, the, the meaning and answers from people, kind of getting the stuff that I need to know. And on our level, we, we tap into people's ambitions and, and aspirations because most people who come to us do not know what, what, what branding identity itself entails. They haven't got a clue. They know they need a logo. They know they need a brand and speech marks, you know, like we need brand. Um, um, but the reason also why I wrote the book is that you know, it tailors to, to, to those people. It, it really simplifies it to what we do. So uh, the first stage, as you quite rightfully said, is the sort of the planning and the strategy. And it's, 
in a way I can liken it to a dating, you know, like when you meet someone for the first time, they'll tell you how amazing they are and what, what they've done and all that sort of hot, the shiny stuff. And then once you sort of get to know the people, the person, you discover other personality traits, you discover other sort of, you know, things about a person that they would be withholding them, you know, withholding from you. Because when we meet someone, we're always the best version of ourselves. So, the, the client, the prospective client will tell you that they've got endless amount of money and they give you endless amount of creative freedom. The agency will be nodding like, yeah, we can do everything. We can do, we are the best in the world. And then the reality sort of creeps in and you realize that, you know, the client hasn't got endless amount of money and, and, and they're not really letting not in or trusting you too much. And the agency, you know, does, can, can't do everything and they won't, won't do everything well. So in that stage, we take time to, understand our new clients, understand the startups, understand the market, most of the market space, because we've been lucky to work pretty much across many different industries. We work from, from underwear to sportswear to CBD to uh, vitamins to supplements to food, uh, drinks, you know, all the way to, as, you know, to Harry Potter's and Nike's, you know, creating digital sort of experiences. And it's, it's I mean, it's fragmented. I mean, we do work against uh, sorry across different landscapes and disciplines and industries and and it kind of keeps us afresh and interested because it's you always have to kind of put on a different hat or you put, have to not put on a different pair of shoes just to sort of to understand people's problems because those who claim to know everything do not know at all <laughs> what they're talking about so we we yeah we we, we initially send a uh, sort of branding questionnaire just to get the client thinking about what they need. Some people already, some people can come already with a brand brief. Some people can come, come with a creative brief, but most of the time, especially on a grassroots level, people haven't got a clue what they want. So we try to sort of work with them to, to, to extract from them what they're after. And right. normally if we do it via zoom or via phone call or, you know, we, that sometimes we used to be able to do it in person and and it's and it's all of this is about finding our answer, finding our answers, and also trust building. We get to know the people and we listen to them. You know, it's, it's not like here's your brief. No, when can we see three ideas? Like, never <laughs> go away. Um, you know that we don't work that way. So yeah, we it, it's a simple process, but we we look at everything that that person or those the, the startup hasn't thought about. Right. So just to sum up for our listeners, so you're working remote. So you, you've been, you've been ready for, for that. Uh, you've been working remotely, uh, interviewing your clients, uh, via zoom on phone, uh, phone call, uh, sending out a questionnaire to fill out, asking the right questions, uh, tapping into their ambitions and aspirations. And, and so what are you trying to do is you are trying to understand their business, right? And, and understand their market because as you mentioned, every client is different and you've worked with many, across many different uh, industries. Uh, so, so basically, uh, what, what kind of, uh, is, is, is that you deliver a strategy brief? Uh, is that you are de- uh, working on defining things like brand purpose, target audience, uh, and uh, brand personality, uh, uh, selecting uh, selecting the right archetype. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on a on a on a client scope and budget. Obviously, if someone needs a detailed brand strategy, that that's a that's a document and that's a delivery of its own. 
Um, if we are just defining where, where we're heading with it, uh, it's usually formatted in sort of our direction or sort of stimulus proposal. Right. Um, you know, if, if someone, it's just, it's almost like, imagine if somebody needs a brand strategy document, that, that's a delivery of its own. We usually take those findings from, from, from our research and from conversations and form it into a visual part. So, you know, we, we based on the, the, the target demographic or the age demographic, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we, we feed into a visual stimulus. We feed into visual art direction proposal where we work with the client and say, okay, based on answers or based on our findings, based on our knowledge, based on our research, this is X, Y, Z that we propose that we do for X, Y, Z for enough for delivery asset number one or two or three or four. Um, so we, we, we simplify it because on those budgets, obviously, you know, uh, if you go to a brand strategy agency, it will cost you 20,000 pounds just to get a strategy document put together. You know? So it's, again, like we, we, we simplify the things and we just take the right amount of, of, the, of the information and the right amount of findings and put them together just so we can sort of deliver within our price point then further down the line you know, those things can be extended and and made uh, more sort of voluptuous more sort of more <laughs> um, more bigger and and more sort of uh, concise but what we right. do like we, we obviously depending on, on, on the size of the project uh, usually we with the smaller persons and especially for this particular podcast and interview working with the smaller startups obviously you, you, you don't overwhelm them with too many things that they might not even understand so you just take yeah. the findings and feed them into the visual side of things right so yeah so okay so uh, you conduct some interviews uh, it, uh, this is the planning phase this is the first phase you develop some strategic insights and 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 this is to serve you in you know so you basically base your creative directions your concepts of on on those findings right, mm -hmm. That's uh, right. so it's right so um okay so now um i wanted to talk about the process the design process so how you actually move from those strategic insights into actually developing some concept how you translate those 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 findings into for example hey we're gonna we we need so we are going to look for the right typography. So how do we find the right typography? Yeah, so, it so it's, yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, so, so yeah. It, it's all done visually. So if you ask someone what they want, they will never tell you exactly what they really like because they think that what they saw yesterday, that's what they like today. And But you, you find out that, that, that actual sort of um, liking of something is totally different. So... It's like that Henry Ford quote, you know, if you ask people what they wanted, they would say faster horses and not cars. So because what we create is very visual, we start visual. So we put together our sort of dream shopping basket. I mean, it's an art direction proposal. So we, we, we sort of from, from related, rela related and non-related examples, we put together our direction proposal based on the strategy, based on the discovery, based on the findings. And we, we, we show clients what is it potentially that the ingredients of an elements of the brand could look like? So we talk about different colors, the perception, how it's been done before, how it's been done in the different industries, how it's been done elsewhere. What's the, what's the, what's the peripheral vision or the brand view of, 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 of target demographics. So we look at sort of products in a sort of similar price bracket. Um, 
uh, across other sort of in, uh, other industries or you know what well let's say what what shaving foam people buy or what whiskey they drink and how does it kind of slot into the brand view of a of a, an ideal persona and we are working towards one idea so we don't create three different logos or six different sort of you know, websites or whatever like we work on one idea so through this process through this conversation we really trying to get to the bottom of what is that, what is the sort of outcome of this equation. So as these people who we're working with, um, they, they, they don't know what's possible in a way. And we usually at this stage show them, okay, on this budget, you can actually have something which is 10 times bigger, better than you even understood. Because sometimes, you know, you go to an agency and they can charge you 10,000 pounds for a logo and, because they've got, you know, lots of staff and nice, nice offices. But obviously we, we deliver on, on that budget, on that initial budget, a lot more. So it's, you know, it's, it's a question of, you know, showing the people that this is the beginning and this is when they get excited. And that's usually at this process where more budgets is being found or what, you know, we, we create lots of, lots of uh, 3D imagery or like visual storytelling people find extra budget for, for, for visuals, for brand assets. You know, it's, this is where things start to grow quite interestingly. So yeah, that's what we do. Like we, we, we go from mood boards and, and visual stimulus into the design process because until we agree what we're going to do with the clients, there's no point of going forward. There's no point of doing a dance of like, do you like this? No. Do you like that? No. Can you change this? Can you make it bigger? Can you make it smaller? Can you make it red? Can you make it blue? Can you make it this? It's endless. There's, there's this right. literally hundreds of thousands of designers doing that dance with their client every day on this planet because yeah. we've all done it and we were all foolish and it will never go away because it's no, never properly conducted. Now we are going to take a quick break here, but we will be right back. Listen, my mission is to help people design iconic brands. So whether you're a business leader who wants to be more intentional with branding and all of its aspects, or you are a creative who wants to attract powerful clients and truly be able to help them with branding, then you need to start with a discovery session and then develop a strategy that will inform all your creative work. And everything you need to learn how to do that, you can find in my online courses at ebegdesign.com forward slash shop where I share with you my worksheets, case studies, video tutorials, and other additional resources to help you feel safe and strong about your process. Now let's get back to our conversation with Radim Malinik. It's true. So basically the takeaway is you start with Moodboard. So based on that strategy, you get together with the team and you make some decisions about things like, about the visual language, the things like typography, color palette, and other, you know, uh, layout and so, so on. You create some mood boards. So you try to basically st- uh, take smaller steps with your client along the way. So once they approve those mood boards, then you pres- you, you're working on one idea, right? You're not, you're not presenting five or 10 concepts. Uh, so it's not like a big reveal. It's more of a collaborative uh, process. You work with your client and you take smaller steps and have them approve the mood boards and then, and then work towards yeah, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if I could correct you, like we, we, we get them to approve our vision. So we, we, we show them what's possible. Yeah. But we also come with a suggestion. So we, we say, okay, so this is our suggestion. This is how we feel that what you asked for, this is the answer. You know, so, mm-hmm. so we make suggestions because this is, this is what we get paid for. So, 
right. we are you know we lead the process and we explain you know um just like i would want an architect to build my dream house around what i want and what i need you know how is it going to make me feel that's what we do for our clients like we, we make the best um and most um educated you know uh, judgment on what they need and suggestions so yeah that, that's how it works but right. so you show them what's possible and you work with them uh to you know to bring that to life right yes that's correct yeah uh, okay so um now let's talk about uh developing other applications so so um uh because since since you've got the client's approval let's say on 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 the logo and uh of of course you present the logo on some basic applications but then uh once the direction is approved uh i assume that you you all design other applications right so depending on the scope of work it might be you know i know that you do a lot of uh different things you know including uh 3d graphic design user experience and things like that uh, so can we talk about that? What, what are some of the best practices or perhaps things to avoid at this stage? Uh, and, and, you know, uh, can you just walk us through some, um, some of the most, perhaps mo- the most common applications that you design for, you know, a startup? Um, yeah, there's no such thing as the most common. There's, there's always... Um, tailored to to what the clients asked for so there's no point showing them t-shirts when they will never need a t-shirt there's no point of showing them tote bag when they will never print the tote bag so it's, it's based around what they're making so we we recently uh, were branding a band like almost like a virtual band and we we did lots of fashion designs for them you know just kind of create a clothing and create like how the guitars and the drums and it's like how the instruments would be branded and kind of just like created the whole thing around it and we did that at the logo stage we did that in in our first proposal because we are not creating just a a singular sort of sticker or logo you know like we just we're not creating that we create an identity therefore we show identity how it works all together and sometimes through the conversations with our clients the logo itself is it's it's very much a part not not the pivotal sort of thing on a on a on a on on a, on a flag somewhere you know, high up it's it's very much a part of it so so our clients get very much excited about the visuals we can do like not the extra layers we can add how it all slots together and what story we can tell because i i see our work in a hopefully not the least designer bs talk like as actually we are visual storytellers we we really through the conversations we unearth so many interesting ideas that they are very useful for the application later so we do try to present uh, as much as possible at the at the reveal stage because a we have spent a few weeks or months working on on the idea with the client getting to the design stages therefore we show kind of as much as possible because it's hard for anyone to, you know, envisage, envisage of what um, what a brand could be just from a small logo on a on a piece of something like you know. We used to, as I remember, twenty years ago, we used to send like five logo ideas on a on a blank A4 PDF, and 
how stupid that was. It's, it's, you know, <laughs> I think I can have another idea of another hour of this podcast just talking about that, how stupid that was, because it was serving no one any purpose. It was just a beauty parade. Do you like yeah. this one? No, the, I, I like the fourth one. You know, the, the one that you put there really quickly. Let's let's go for that. And you're like, oh Jesus Christ! You know, like why was I doing this? So it is all about creating, like showing the bigger product, showing like what is it that you're creating. Because if I was to show you steering wheel of your favorite car, you'd be like, it's a steering wheel. What, why are you showing to me? Show, show me the rest of the car. Right. And um, that's how I see it. And and I, and I mentioned it. What, what I mentioned in the book, as you know. I don't, be, I don't believe in the reveal of like, hey, you see this for the first time, what do you think? Like that is, again, that is a silly idea, again, being done every day, everywhere. Like I, I, I record, I, I won't be ready, I record a proposal along with the PDF or the video file that, we, that we've created and I record a voiceover going through the deck myself to give this to the, to, to, to the client two days prior us talking so they've got two days to send it around a family, to send it around an investor, send it around anyone, and they've got time to digest it. Because if, if you showed me something new, I'd be like, whatever. You know, like I remember renovating my house two years ago when I went to the bathroom shop and I was like, show me stuff. And they were like, they were showing me stuff. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because th- there was no feedback. There was no sort of information exchange. You know, it's just like, we are volunteering solutions and ideas, especially most people volunteer based on their personal preference. If a yeah. designer says, or a designer said, or oh, I really like this option, I did, I did for you. I'm like, I don't fucking care. Like, I don't care what you think. Tell me it's going to work. <laughs> and therefore, when, when, we, when we talk to, uh, to our clients or when, when and I present our proposals, it's based on what we believe and what we know will work. That's what it is. I mean, we, we, we put up visual preferences through some of the process. We, we, we have a sig- bit of a signature style or we, we have a sort of certain aesthetic, but yeah. everything else is driven by maths, science, human, whatever. No, it's, 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 it's not personal process as such. Like we, you know, you might have a favorite typeface, but doesn't mean it's going to look good in the right, sort of, in the right space. You know, it's just that that's what it is. So that's right. why, I give people two days to understand the proposal and through various trackers, you can see how many times, you know, the Loom video has been viewed or how many times the, the email has been opened in a different sort of location because you know, these people are seeking counsel because when they come to you with feedback, it's going to be a very good constructive feedback. They will have thought about it rather than the number of zillions of times I've been into you know, a boardroom, uh, on someone else's reveal or someone else's work that someone asked me to do in the past. And you just watch these faces going like, what is this? Why are we here? And I've got other stuff to think about, you know, and, and, and it, it, it doesn't work. And with this method, especially now with, you know, in, in the new normal, um, I've, been, I've been doing these presentations over, over, over video for the last five years and they've been the best thing I've ever done. Right, awesome. So, so just as a takeaway, Applications are always tailored to the client, and, and it's about showing the how the logo works with the whole identity. So it's about the you know the, the big picture, right? Uh, and uh, so it, uh, so it's you know everything that is there has a reason for being. So it's not about personal preferences, right? But this is something we've talked about earlier in uh, about uh, the strategy and discovery phase in coming up with that big idea. 
uh, and and you've also uh, talked about you know many mistakes that you know we all make as designers you know at the beginning of our career of whether it be you know presenting uh, too many logo design concepts on just a blank piece of paper that doesn't mean anything the clients cannot you know see that working in the future cannot visualize that uh, so that's one of those mistakes so i just wanted to wrap up this by uh but trying to leave our listeners with uh uh, some advice on how to produce better work how, how to so what advice would you give to someone who either wants to be a better designer or just or or just for startups themselves to you know hire uh, a good designer so what should they look for or what should they avoid i think you're looking for people who think um not not the best designers not not every designer who's very good in their field is um a good thinker now you, you might have people who are very proficient people who are talented people who are skilled in doing good visuals but not everyone is a good a problem solver problem solver like the the thing that people like to put on their twitter profile um it's 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 not problem solving i feel is always such a wrong label that people like to put into the sort of the arsenal because it's 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 about personal connection the thinking and the human aspect is is what makes good client connections and what makes good work ultimately because as i've mentioned before if you haven't got a trust you've got nothing really and if you haven't got the trust and you haven't got there's no such thing as creative freedom, but there's a space to create. Creative freedom is is, is a whole thing to talk about, and you know, uh, uh, on another topic, like it's creative freedom is carte blanche, which means you can do anything, which means again means nothing. Like it doesn't add up. Um, but you, you want thinkers that you know look outside the space, look what else is happening in the world, like look at what else is out there that makes people move and makes people excited, and that's that's what you need in your in your creative arsenal, like you need people who, you know, are, are good with our people more or less. Because again, I, from a personal experience of, of I don't see myself as an extra, no, extra sort of extroverted person or eloquent person, but I had to teach myself this. I was for many first years, I was very happy to be just a designer in a corner and I had somebody else try to defend my work. But it yielded no good results. I had to step up. I had to come out of my shell. I had to be more extroverted. I had to be more uh, proactive and, and hold the process and lead it because only then you're in charge of your own destiny and your, and your own work and your future. And I think that it comes with having time to think and grow and process through the stuff that you create. And so right. those people are your good, they are the best team players because you know you might have the most talented illustrator but if you can't really distill that if you can't get that thing into the process properly then again it's no good to anyone so i just believe yeah. that you know the um i feel like it's the mind over the skill really in a way because you can always learn a skill i mean you know i've learned it myself i know lots of people who are self-taught designers too but my my degree is in economics and my interest is in you know in human science really like i mean in human behavior like that that's that's what 
kind of what I bring to the table, you know, and you, you, you've sort of worked with people of, of that sort of extra sort of multifaceted creative persuasion. Right. Uh, so, so the takeaway is, so just to sum up for our listeners, you need to be a good thinker, a good problem solver. Uh, and uh, as you mentioned, just mind over skills. So you can be a good designer, but you also uh, need to be good with people. Right. Uh, uh, and also, I just wanted to, the last question would be, uh, you know, because in your book, uh, you talk about why crowdsource design is never a good idea. So as the last question, can you just elaborate on that just to give people, a, you know, like a, a few uh, well, I think I would like to say why. that I would like to believe that everything I said in the last forty minutes is exactly the reason why you shouldn't crowdsource the, the creativity. Because unless yeah. you unless you're looking for a a band T-shirt or a, a, a singular piece of design, it crowdsourcing doesn't work uh, until, um, I, in, in my opinion, I mean, I, I'm. I, I try to demonize it in my book because I, I, I feel like even if, even working in a studio, I feel like we were crowdsourcing fucking ideas because, <laughs> and as you can tell, I'm, I'm still quite annoyed about what we used to do because being led by other people, we never saw the each other side. So we never really saw the client. We saw a brief. We never really understood what we were doing. We were just throwing pasta against the wall, hoping something would stick. And that right. was crowdsourcing within an agency, I would say. So if you, if you, if you put this and you have someone in, um, let's say Canada working with someone in Indonesia, sourcing design, I doubt that. I mean, again, the dance that I was describing, you know, I, I quite enjoy saying the word dance because it's just such a nonsensical term for what I'm describing. But like this, this exchange that keeps happening in many different places at, right now is based on ignorance, really. It's, it's based on, on, on lack of yeah. knowledge. And oh, I'm, I'm struggling to even think like, you know, uh, you're buying a skill from somewhere. So unless it's a mechanical artwork and skills, like yeah. please insert this copy onto that page, you do not know who you're working with. You don't know mm -hmm. what they, you don't know the understanding. I work with my my freelancers that I've, I've, been, I've been working for, let's say five years, and they still misunderstand things. And we, right. we, we, we speak almost every day, you know, like it's a human interaction. We, but when creative, creative work always comes with people is that they want to offer their best solution and the best idea. And that's not always needed. Like, you know, you just need to listen to people what they actually want and then you can give them what they need based on what you understand. But we try to assert ourselves. We try to make people look good. We try to make ourselves look good. We want to make, we want to retain clients, which sometimes is the stupidest idea because, you know, sometimes you don't really, those people don't deserve to do good work. And it's just, it's just when you, when you think of it, like that's just a sort of combustive sort of human ex interaction and exchange that is muddled. It's muddled. And, if if not, if people don't really understand what the other person needs or can can provide, that's why crowdsourcing doesn't work because there is not enough in that exchange for people to understand what they need to do or what the, what is required. And yeah, I, I, I hear horror stories, and one of my friends put it really well as he said that he's used Fiverr many times before, and he said he had to kiss a lot of frogs before he got to where he wanted to be, and. <laughs> You know, it, it, I think he summarizes it. And 
I'm sure that for some people it works, but you know, and I hope there's some really some great success stories. But I, I just, I mean, it took me a long time to work it out for myself how I need to sort of run this agency, how, run, how to run this creative output to make sure that we do good work and and enjoy it. And you know, the book, book, the book itself is the outcome of it, which was published yeah. last year and it's done it's done a remarkable things in the industry for for both clients and, and and creatives because it's written from experience it's written from how we do this every day and and how i've navigated some of the most sort of difficult conversations and difficult work that right. we um, yeah we could do now no, with, with joy and enjoy it so right. yeah crowdsourcing not a big fan as you can tell <laughs> <laughs> and as I said, yeah. it can happen right under your nose. You don't have to be, you don't have to be in a different side of the planet. Like it can happen literally within the studio because you can feel like you crowdsource. So yeah, that's what I see. Awesome. So I recommend, of course, everyone to check out the book. You know, as you mentioned, there's, you know, you describe your process, you, you uh, share your thoughts on the process, uh, your team and advice as a designer and strategist. But also, most importantly, you back up everything by showing, you know, good examples of you know your work so uh so we can actually understand uh and, and see that and understand uh which is really great so as we are approaching the end of our episode please let us uh, know how we can find more about you um and and the work you do and i will just include those links in the description box i, I will make it simple um i usually try to discourage people from following social media because we should be doing you know better things in life so um but our instagram is most uh, most up to date uh, we can be found at brand uh, brand new studio <laughs> brand new studio uh, our website is brand new.co.uk and my books can be found on amazon book depository wordery everywhere else and we've got a little online uh, independent bookstore at novemberuniverse.co.uk um yeah i mean I'm, i can be found on other places on personal instagram and twitter and and, and elsewhere which i encourage people well i'd encourage i mean if people would like to you know, uh, give us a little follow or start a conversation i'm always happy to oblige but um yeah uh, our books are ind- independently published. We've been taking on the big boys since 2016, nearly for five years. And I'm glad that this interview is actually today because Book of Branding was released exactly a year ago tomorrow. Anniversary, nice. Anniversary, yeah. Uh, the, the Kindle version of the book will be released on the 1st of December along with all the other Kindle books and our new title called Pause, Breathe and Grow. So as you know, as you can tell from our discussion today, I'm all about the human aspect. I'm all about what's behind the scenes. We you know, we, we, we all spend years and years looking at the big boys in the industry, kind of admiring them, but we don't know the struggles. And I'm all about you know, <laughs> telling people that it's a struggle first uh, before it's fun. So um, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah, there's a new book on the 1st of December called Pause breathe and grow which is a sort of more like a mindfulness uh journal about what we can do with ourselves in the industry to enjoy what we do especially so um, yeah looking forward to check that out yeah absolutely you should <laughs> thank you yeah thank okay. you and thank uh, you. yeah i'm gonna include all, all those all those links for you guys so you can check out um, the book and social handles uh, so you can find about radim more and about his work so radim thank you so much for coming on the show i really appreciate that thanks for having me thanks for the request and uh, yeah it's it's amazing to see how far something i guess now as simple as, as it is really a book format can, can travel far and inspire people like yourself so yeah thank you right. for having me i really enjoyed it thank you 
So this is it for today's episode and make sure to go and check out Radim's website and follow him on social media. And you can find all the links on this episode's page at ebekdesign.com slash podcast slash 21. So thanks for tuning in and if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to my podcast for more tips on branding, strategy and design. This was Arek Dvorniczak from Ebek Design.